So hello everybody, welcome back to the Based on Actually Events podcast. This is actually Ben and your host, and I'm joined with Screen Crush's uh, Ryan Airy. Ryan, how are you doing today? Hey Ben, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm a, I'm actually a big fan. I watch a lot of your videos constantly. Oh, thanks. So, yeah. yeah. So how have things been going with, uh, with work and working in the pandemic? How's that been? Oh man. Well, I mean, it, it just got a little bit harder. I, we, uh, you know, we have an office and a studio and everything, but our lease mm-hmm. is up now. So we had to pack everything up. So I did have a place where I could actually go and record and be in the studio, uh, you know, once or twice a week, but now yeah. I don't have that anymore. So it's going to be a while of just hearing my voice on the channel. Wow. Are you, Unless I, do you have any backup plans of what you're going to be doing with that or just? Um, I went ahead and recorded a bunch of intros for like the rest of WandaVision, you know, like okay. intro, intros and outros. But to be honest, it sounds terrible in that old studio. Like it's got the HVAC sound mm-hmm. in the background. So yeah. if you notice since the pandemic, our sound's been a lot better because I just use a handheld mic. And I'm pretty excited about it because like if, if the whole storyline in quotation marks is that I'm a guy in this video store talking to you about your favorite stuff, then eventually when I run out of footage of me in the store, I'm just going to um, set it up like I've been locked out and then I'll figure out what's after that. I don't, I'd rather not just do it from home with like some comic books in the background. Mm-hmm. No offense to the guys who do that. I'd like to like keep it kind of narratively cool and do something different. That's yeah. cool. Having a little storyline to it. That's, that's a really interesting factor with it. Well, you know who does that and does it really well is uh, Patrick Willems. Do you ever watch his YouTube? No, I haven't. Oh, he's fantastic. So he puts out a video every, I think every two weeks. And because it's one video every two weeks, he's really able to do that like narrative through line because he doesn't Mm -hmm. do videos based on, you know, what's popular or what's hot. He literally just makes videos about whatever he wants. So one week he might do superhero movies don't need to be R-rated as a topic. And then his yeah. latest one is uh, the history of needle drops in movies. But in between those bits, he has an ongoing story that's been happening for more than a year where it's like inter- little interludes with him and this evil coconut who's taken over his life. He's br- <laughs> he's, and he's brilliant. Like he's just a great filmmaker. In fact, I'm talking more about Patrick's channel than I am my own. But, <laughs> that's all right. um, he hasn't made short films in a while, but he did a few you might have seen. Uh, Wes, An- if Wes Anderson directed X Men, that was him. Okay. And my personal favorite, <laughs> my personal <laughs> favorite he did is uh, if Warner Herzog directed Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. He got this guy to do a dead on Herzog impression, and <laughs> that's cool. So good. Yeah, you got to check him out. That's awesome. That kind of leads me to my next question about making videos on, on content. Like, how do you determine what shows? you're going to be making because like you obviously did star wars the marvel the superior stuff but like mm-hmm. you also did westworld so how do you yeah. how do you decide like what show you're going to do the easter eggs for or the theories for like what's the um some of them are no-brainers because they're just huge shows yeah. you know if, if game of thrones was still on i'd be doing game of thrones as well uh i'm late to the, the to the doing a show game you know i we didn't do that mm-hmm. for a long time and the first show that i ever covered every episode of was watchmen which yes, at the time yes. it was because nothing was nothing was really out, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this Watchmen show is coming out. Let's check it out." And I'm I'm obviously a huge fan of the original comic, and then the show just ended up being the best superhero media <laughs> like yeah. I've consumed in my lifetime. Um, and then we just happened to be—I don't know about the only, but one of the few channels covering it. So we those videos never got a lot of hits because I didn't put them out like the day of or the next day. Sometimes mm-hmm. I would take my time. But we, boy, we got requested. Like if I was late by a day, our Twitter just got bombarded by that, you know, by asking about that. Um, so, you know, obviously comic book movie, comic book stuff is always huge. Mm-hmm. I also covered Picard. And I'm wondering, looking back, if I would have covered Picard if it came out right now. Yeah. Um, because right now I'm really, really busy. And at the time Picard came out, it was just before the pandemic. You know, same thing with Clone Wars. So we had a, yeah. I had a lot more time. There's shows I'd love to do every episode of, you know, like, yeah, uh, I would have loved to have done Star Trek Discovery, even though I'm not a big Discovery fan. I just think it's a show that's interesting and it's like worth the attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, Star Trek Lower Decks is another one I wish I would have been able to do. And uh, did you watch The Stand, Stephen King, the adaptation? 
I didn't, but like I saw a bunch of trailers and 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 clips of it. Was that like worth? It was terrible. It was terrible. Okay, okay, that's what I got got the vibe of. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, I'm a huge. I've read the book three times, and I've seen the original miniseries. I couldn't tell you how many times. I was offended by it. It was so bad, and I wish I would have covered that just so I would have had a public forum to complain in besides Twitter. Um, So unfortunately with the amount of effort that I put into the videos and the amount of research, I can really, I can't do that many. Yeah. There's just, I get spread too thin trying to do too many. I can't get to everything. Yeah. What's going to suck is, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, no, is no when Snyder, the Snyder cut, I think is going to come out one episode a week or right around, either the same day yeah. or right at the same time is Falcon, the winter soldier. So you're going to have to, are you going to divide your efforts or are you going to choose one or the other? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll I'll divide my efforts. I mean, okay. I also have uh, four truly great interns awesome. who are just incredible, and it's I, I don't ask too much of them because they are paid like a, a small stipend, but it's an educational mm-hmm. internship. Um, so yeah. I learn a lot from them; they learn a lot from me. But they really help me out with assembly of some of the Easter egg videos and stuff, and some of the long form stuff. They they cut those. Yeah, I was gonna say before is yeah, because like obviously you want to do every show because I've been watching um. The Snowpiercer, the Netflix show. Yeah, I caught the first few episodes of that. Um, But I I don't have that network. I don't have that on a streaming service. I haven't been able to watch it. Okay, yeah, because I was watching it. I was like, man, this would be really good if someone did like a deep dive into it. Um, Yeah, I was very happy just after watching the the pilot. uh, Oh, good. It's not the same thing. You know, I like when adaptations switch it up a little because Mm -hmm. watching a whole series with the same ending would have really been pointless. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but see, but see, Snowpiercer's a show though that I it wouldn't be worth it for me to cover it, no matter yeah. how much I loved it, because we just it doesn't have the following. I'll yeah. give you another example: the last season of Agents of Shield. I didn't. I covered one episode of that, and it just absolutely tanked. And I was like, man, I, I really enjoy this show, but mm-hmm. I can't. I can't justify because this is. I don't own Screen Crush, you know. Yeah. I can't justify spending my time, other people's time, doing this, you know, like yeah. other people's money when I could work on something else. You have to go kind of where the popularity goes. Like it's just kind of popular. It's good, and then you you know people are gonna watch, and then that's where you got to go. Other than yeah, unfortunately, although sometimes you know, like we have done videos that are more like long form specialized video essays that don't necessarily cover superhero stuff or anything that's mm-hmm. popular right now. And I love doing those because they're a slower burn. They never spike immediately, like you'll see these Wandavision videos do. But I'll give you an example. This is maybe a little too boring and inside baseball. The WandaVision oh. Easter egg videos have been doing phenomenal. You know, we, yes. I work my ass off to get them out the same day. They get between like seven, eight 800,000 hits, which is just amazing. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll do, you know, we'll do these versus videos, which will pit like a DC movie versus a Marvel movie and pick one scene that explains why, oh, this one's really good. And this one's not so good. Um and those are really slow burns. Like they'll start off just a mm-hmm. 10, 20,000, but then they'll hit a million or two. And the yeah. best part of that is I'm always surprised when I go back and I look and say, oh my God, this is doing great. I'm loved. <laughs> those <laughs> kind of have more like uh, like longevity to them. Like anyone can go at a point sort of and watch yeah, Marvel versus DC where one division yeah. comes out the day of. And there's other things too that like I think we'll hit and just have, like we have a video um, – it's just about, I love Breaking Bad. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. we got another Breaking Bad video we're about to put out. And I just did a video about the pink bear and the symbolism of the pink bear. Not something yeah. somebody's searching for. But the magic of YouTube is that algorithm eventually is going to pick up, you know, that video and the watch time and recommend it to people more. And, you know, it'll get out there yeah. a little bit easier yeah. than it is now. So making the videos that aren't just like the Easter egg videos, how much mm-hmm. like creative freedom do you have of like what videos you want to make is it i saw you had a theory about wandavision you tweeted out uh, you had a theory and you're going to make a video about it can you just say like hey i have a theory i'm going to make this video or do you have to go through um somebody i i, I have free reign okay much. yeah it, it wasn't when i first started it wasn't like that uh matt singer is the editor-in-chief of screen crash the website and he's he's great. He's been a mentor to me. He's taught me a lot. He's a huge comic book fan. Like I, I would not, this channel would not be successful for it for Matt at not even remotely. Um, he really held my hand through the first couple of years of doing this, but anymore, um, I, he just trusts me and I, you know, he'll, he'll give me ideas for like Easter eggs that he spots or the occasional video. 
mm-hmm. but for the most part, he's got a website to run and I got the YouTube channel to run. And yeah, uh, no, you know, we don't, uh, no one interferes <laughs> from a higher up. Well, I, I mean, we get suggestions from like, yeah. my, my big boss, the VP of uh, digital marketing, a terrific guy named Jared. He's a huge fan of WandaVision. So he's actually, <laughs> you know, he and his wife get together every Friday. They watch the show and they watch my video. Um, and then he'll find theories online and like email them to me. Like, that's awesome. I'll put that in. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I think that's yeah. my tradition too, is I'll watch a, I'll watch the video on Friday and I'll look up your videos, see all the Easter eggs that I, yeah. that I missed. I'm jealous of you guys being able to do that. My, my routine is I wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> I was wondering that. Try to be awake. Yeah, it's tough. I didn't used to do that. I remember the first season of Mandalorian, I got up at like 6 a.m. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not, you know, this is fine. And then uh, the competition, man, this uh, yeah. this guy in, this guy in England who does the channel Heavy Spoilers, he's a good guy, makes good videos. Um, he just started putting his, you know, he's fast. And he's in yeah. England, so he wakes, he wakes up at 8 a.m. his time. So I was like, God, <laughs> I got to get up earlier now. <laughs> yeah, so I watched uh, the, the Mandalorian video you did about, um, well, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen about luke's entrance at the end mm-hmm. and, uh, and like, mm-hmm. I was like it seems like you like you posted like 9 a.m 10 a.m or something i was watching it before i even saw the episode i was like did he wake up like at 4 a.m to watch this i was so curious about yeah, how I, I did i did my fridays are, are screwed and will be i guess for the foreseeable future till the summer um was that the ending explained video I, maybe i forget which yeah one. i think i think i did two on that one if i if an episode justifies an ending explained i always try to do those because you can kind of yeah it, you're basically you're taking like part of what you would have done in your easter egg video and just making it its own video yeah yeah you know and putting it out and that's what people you know really want is like that's what i love about youtube and to a certain extent social media is that that conversation of like oh i, I want to talk to somebody about this you know, mm-hmm. like I get, to, I get to be a part of that for everybody and be a focal point of it, like in the comments and everything, um, yeah. you know, it used to be, I remember like I'd read a book and then I'd just go like Goodreads or Wikipedia and read what other people said. It, it must be so gratifying to just be able to do that and then go on YouTube and, and talk about the thing. Yeah. It's, and, it's, it's so great. Um, yeah. having that outlet back in the day, there used to be other websites like ain't it cool.com and mm-hmm. you know, where we, there were message boards, you know, I think, uh, not so much, you know, anymore. I think all that conversation happens on Twitter and YouTube, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Instagram. I don't know what the, what the kids do these days. <laughs> the other. I don't know. TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand TikTok. That's. I th- I think I would have loved TikTok when I first started doing video stuff. If you if yeah. you could have when I when I was twenty put a camera in my hand and said here make comedy videos, I would have been all over that. Well, it's such an easy yeah, editor. Yeah. So, sorry, I got, I did, man, I'm, I, I get off on a ramble sometimes when I get to talk inside baseball about YouTube and stuff. So sorry if I no, took it's, your extremely simple question and made it. No, that's great. That's, that's, that's what I'm looking for. It's awesome. It's, it's a little insight to it. Cause I'm always, I'm always curious about how you make the videos so quick. And I, I have another little question about that. Well, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe long question, but um, when you make an Easter egg video, you have so much knowledge or like understanding about like all these little, symbolisms or stuff or things from comics that like i just i would like i consider myself sort of like a pop culture nerdy kind of guy but i'm Mm -hmm. like this is totally beyond me how do you do you do research or do you know all of this is off by hand or how does that it's a little bit it's a little bit of both so um i you know you have the luxury of knowing there's going to be a show Mm -hmm. about wanda and vision and all stuff so i did read I, i didn't even count um at least 100 comics before WandaVision and some of which I'd read and I knew the history, but there's a lot of the nuances about Wanda's past and the visions past that I didn't know. Like their origins have changed a lot. Like they've gone back and retconned certain things. Mm -hmm. And as I do that, you know, you're obviously not going to remember every single thing you read, but I try to like highlight the things that are important. I screenshot them in my phone uh, because I read them off the Marvel app. There are a couple of things I missed. Like in episode two, they have names. They have like little magician names for each other. And I completely forgot that in the, second vision and scarlet witch limited series they have two magician friends by the same name it, it was an easter egg to that okay. so i still even then i still miss things um so i'll do that and then matt will email me little things that he saw um 
for instance, like the colors of the drone in episode four, I didn't even pick up. They were the colors of Captain Marvel's suit. Yeah. You know, because I'll watch this and I'll keep notes, which so it's hard to keep attention on something while you're keeping notes. And then I'll rewatch it, but mostly in fast forward and freeze framing when I think there's something in the background or names on the screen. Okay. So I don't really, you know, I wish I could just watch it four or five times. You know, like New Rockstars is another great channel and they do a reaction video. Then the next day they put out their Easter egg video. Okay. So they have a little bit more time to absorb and write and, you know, research. Um, and the, at the very end, I will sometimes just Google and see what other people have come up with. Yeah. Um, and if I do that, I'll, you know, go re- add a line of dialogue and I'll say, hey, GameSpot found this or on Picard, there's this brilliant Star Trek journalist named uh, Ryan Britt. And he, um, I, <laughs> I lifted a lot from him. I credited him in the description and in the uh, uh, video itself. But he's, you know, people like that are just a great resource or Reddit. Yeah. And then lately, Twitter, I've just been asking people on Twitter, right, yeah. since I finished the episode, did anybody find anything? And if it's if somebody tweets something and it's something I didn't catch or I didn't know or I think it's an interesting theory, I'll shout them out. That's been really cool. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet out the... Um... The drone that they use, the the 80s drone, had the Stark Industries. Um, I did I did not catch that. that. Yeah, and that and that I'm not even kidding. Pissed me off. <laughs> I, <laughs> I guess there was that. And there was another really easy to spot Easter egg that I missed, and I get like angry at myself <laughs> for that kind of thing. Because I also looked at it and I thought, oh, is it supposed to look like the Blackbird? You know, like the X Men's play. Yeah. Like sometimes I just try. I go way too far. Instead of just looking for the really obvious thing that's yeah. right in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you start getting into um, YouTube and um, making videos or working with Screen Crush? Because I know you work with some other organizations as well. How did that all start? Yeah, well, I, I was just a, a freelance video editor when I started at Town Square Media. That's the company that owns Screen Crush mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of other brands and radio stations and stuff. So I did a little bit for all the different brands. And I always preferred to work on Screen Crush. And then I started writing, uh, I did, I made one video on my own and I didn't, you know, I just posted it to my, a different YouTube channel and shared it to, showed it to a work friend. He was like, this is really good. And then he showed it to Matt at Screen Crush and Matt said, Hey, do you want to come just do this for us? So like, that's why I always say like, I wouldn't be doing this. It wasn't for Matt Singer. Um, so that's how I got into like the writing aspect of it. And then just, uh, eventually, you know, that became my full-time job at the company. Um, and then just watching other people, you know, like yeah. I, you, you go back and you think like Mr. Sunday movies is one of the first people I ever saw do Easter egg videos or the whole video essay format. You can look back all the way back at like uh, uh, Red Letter Media and those yeah. videos of Star Wars. You know, everybody mm-hmm. I've seen so many videos that like tried to be him, you know, yeah. kids like find their own style <laughs> or uh, what's that guy? It's called Cinemasker now, but back then he was angry video gamer. So I was just oh, yeah. fascinated yeah. by that, like people doing commentary of like that. And then like it seemed like just in the early 2000s, the form evolved. And then you had people mm-hmm. like Lindsay Ellis, you know, Jenny Nicholson, um, pop culture detective, every page or um, <clears throat> um, every frame of painting, lessons from the screenplay, the take. You know, I worked at the take for a few months. That was a great experience. Yeah. They used to be called Screen Presence. So there's like this golden age of uh, film criticism which is really great because we're not criticism really analysis because now that we're not buying blu-rays and dvds anymore i miss those extra features you know yeah i i used to just spend hours looking at all those and now you know when you just get something on digital it's like you're missing that i'm putting this in and really experiencing this it's like the difference between downloading a single or buying an album a physical album so i think that all these youtubers are filling that hole and i'm just honored to be a part of that yeah, so good. I also find there's a lot of video, um, other channels that do um, watch-alongs. Have you seen those? Like when people will watch the movie and they'll record their dialogue from the beginning to the end, and you can huh, like, watch have, along with them. That's cool. I haven't seen channels do that, but uh, I've seen celebrities do that. I watched Taika Waititi's for Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's a channel called uh, Pretty Much It, and they do like they'll do channels where they do like um, just segments from the movie, but they'll have audio tracks. That you can buy and you can watch along oh, with cool. them from like the beginning to the end. And I found like a couple other people popped up and done that as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think it's an interesting form of. Um, I would do that in a heartbeat if I had um, people to watch them with. There's, 
that's the kind of thing where people have tweeted a few times and said, oh, like, you know, you should do something. I want to see like different YouTube channels team up like the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. But like, whose channel is the video going to go on? Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's a, a three parter and it just like new rock stars is huge. It wouldn't benefit them at all to share the spotlight, even though I've, I've been on one of their shows. Like they're really gracious and super nice, but that's the kind of thing that if I could get in the room with some of these people I've just talked about and record with them, that'd be amazing. So as a YouTuber and a content creator, is there anything you want to like expand on with like um, making content? Is there any like different types of videos or, or uh, getting into different t- forms of media? Or are you happy with where yeah. you are? Um, no, no, no. There always is. I'll tell you what I really want. What I really, really want is um, evergreen, like a, a, an evergreen show. You know, like I tried this during the pandemic to just find a format of something that where you can go back and say, like, make a video about Die Hard, but it's in a particular format that people are familiar with. They want to watch. And I'll get I'll throw out some examples to you. Pitch meeting on Screen Rant. Um, You know, Ryan, Ryan's done a great job building that up. That started that, you know, even though Screen Rant has millions of subscribers, the first few videos they posted only got like 10,000 hits and it's just grown. That's like a, a major franchise. Honest Trailers, um, Wisecrack used to do a series called Earthling Cinema that migrated to its own channel, and I haven't seen anything from a while yeah. for a while from them. I think they might have shriveled on the vine. I, you know, I would love to have something like that. So I was doing uh, for a while these videos, and I really liked them, and the people I know really liked them, but they hadn't caught on. That were like an AI or a robot explains um, a movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I. Yeah, they were fun. And to be honest, like I struggled with the name, the format, the thumbnail. Yeah. And I still, and then like somebody commented on it. Oh, this is fine, but I wish it was just you doing it. So I did a couple that were just me and I tried to call it overthinking it. And I'm like, I just, I, I want that. I want that thing that's like funny. That's just mm-hmm. a relief to do where we can pick like whatever we want to do, you know, regardless of like when the movie came out, that is just something that people can enjoy. And I honestly yeah. think, it just would take the time to do it consistently. Yeah. You know, and like, I think if you do a few of those and then they catch on, uh, then again, I could probably just do one about WandaVision right now and that would catch on and then the others would catch on. So maybe I should just yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Consistency is always key is keeping it, you know, relevant in the, in the viewer's yeah. eyes. And I also wish, um, I wish I had, I could justify doing videos about, uh, just non comic book or sci-fi properties like uh, yeah. network is my all time favorite movie. You know, I'd love to do a video about network or cool hand Luke, you know, or mm-hmm. something that's like, you know, the God- Godfather part three is not as bad as you think, like little things like that. Yeah. Um, but that's just to do those correctly. It takes a lot of time, you know, it just really does. And it's hard for me to say, well, <laughs> I spent two weeks working on this video, but and it got a hundred thousand hits when I could have just made five WandaVision theory videos, you know, which are yeah. easier to consume and faster paced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's a fine line of choosing between like a passion project and mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I've actually got a, a passion project kind of that I've been working on for months off and on. I was trying to get it out before the second season of Mandalorian. It's just, it's a video that is a split screen in comparison of all the different tropes sci-fi western that went into creating star wars and the mandalorian so i watched you know yeah. dozens of star- westerns and samurai films and then obviously the second season of mandalorian came out and every other episode is yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> like when i saw that ahsoka tano episode and i'm like well that's just kurosawa yeah that's just uh but yeah <laughs> but you know what that did that made the easter egg videos better because i was able yeah. to say well I've, I've already found that clip i could just you know lift that real quick and find mm-hmm. that yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping to finish that sometime in 2021 before the pandemic's over with. It's just taken a while. Yeah. Hopefully soon, you know. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I did not think, I, I thought yeah, when I saw that first Super Bowl trailer, I said WandaVision is going to be my favorite show of these. I, and I, I think it's incredible. I did not think it would be quite like this, you know, like the, I didn't think there would be this much like theory crafting and speculation that is just making it so much fun to make these yeah. videos and to hear the theories. Like it's a blast. It's, I, I haven't been this excited about a mystery since the force awakens came out. Yeah. It's a lot better than actually like I expected. Cause like 
maybe it was just because like when I when the trailers came out, I was just confused of what it was mm-hmm. going to actually be. Because I was mm-hmm. like, is this going to be a sitcom or an actual show? Well, see, or... But that's what I loved about it. Yeah. Because at this point, especially you look at Marvel Phase 1 and 2, you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, they're going to fight. And the, the, the villain's mm-hmm. going to be like a, an evil mirror of the hero. And there's going to be a sky beam. And there's going to be something big falling out of the sky, and we're going to have some giggles along the way, you know. Like, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. But it got to the point where it was like, okay, I, I know what's going to happen, you know. And then when Captain Marvel came around, I was like, okay, I really know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't need this exact same thing. And then, uh, then Marvel just says, ah, let's do this weird thing. Let's like yeah. not reveal what's going on. Let's take advantage of the serialized TV format. You know, I got in, uh, I stirred some controversy on Twitter because I tweeted out look, you know, Marvel's pushing boundaries and DC's re-editing a movie nobody liked. I want to talk about talk that. About okay, let's talk about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I don't like, I didn't like Justice League. I didn't think it okay. was good. And I want to know, I do mean, you think... I, I don't think anybody did. <laughs> no. Do you think the Schneider Cut is going to actually be good? Because I was talking to my friends a couple of days ago and we were like, okay, as Schneider trailer came out, everyone's really hyped about it. Everyone's been praising it way more than the previous cut, but at the end of the day, it's just a re-release of another movie. How much better can it get? And I want to know your opinion. Do you think it's going to actually be good? Because I think it just might be mediocre. I don't think it's going to be good, no. I mean, I, yeah. I'm beyond the moon thrilled that Zack Snyder's getting to do it. And I'm, I didn't realize he wasn't taking any money for it. And I'm glad because Warner Brothers did him, dirty, did him dirty in about the worst yes. way you can be done dirty. Like, yes. that's, it's sickening. You know, mm-hmm. I've lost people um, like he lost his daughter, you know, who took their own life. And it's just so gut wrench. I couldn't even imagine losing a yeah. child that way. And, you know, he and his wife just seem like great people. You mm-hmm. know, I've interviews with them and stuff. That being said, I don't, I, has Zach, is Zack Snyder a comic book fan or has he just read some comics, you know? Yeah. Because I, I think he just fundamentally, I think he went to these characters and said, okay, I want to do a spin on these i want to do a new idea based on these um and i don't i think that when you're adapting a character i like to see it a little bit different but like you have to stay true to the character himself so like you know batman has a no no kill rule i'm sorry he just does and Zack snyder in this like panel said you're saying uh i'm going to paraphrase but he said you're trying to tell me batman doesn't kill i don't know what fucking world you're living in and i'm like well i live in a world full of you know crime and poverty Mm -hmm. and terrorism Bat Batman doesn't. Batman, like, yeah. Batman lives in a different world. Yeah. And Batman doesn't kill simply for the same reason that Gandalf told Frodo not to kill, because there are many who would take life and who are you to decide? You know, mm-hmm. he he never wants anyone to go through what he went through. He's on the side of justice, not revenge. Yeah. That is a fundamental tenet of Batman's character and has been since the early 1940s. So yeah. there's that. And then I actually didn't mind him telling a long form arc with Superman where Superman doesn't start off as Superman, but that's not new. Superman 78 did that, yeah, you know, in, yeah. in the first two in the second sequence of that movie where it's Clark in Smallville, he's angry that he can't be himself. He wants to be the high school quarterback. You know, it takes his father dying to teach him a lesson of responsibility and, and worthiness. Um, I, I just don't think he, understood what made me love those characters he found something of his own inside of them uh that being said when you look at justice league everybody i know was against justice league and batman versus superman for the same reason because we saw that it was a money grab by warner brothers instead of following the marvel model and introducing the characters one at a time they wanted to rush there you know they wanted that 2017 release date and it's funny to look back at it now and go well it's 2021 they could have introduced all those movies and characters and had justice league this year they could have just done it. They could, you know, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered. But they were working on this AT&T merger and they wanted to make sure they got their bonuses in mm-hmm. and made the big profit to make the company worth more. And I hate that kind of stuff. Yeah. I hate when you can see the strings being pulled. You know, it's like Rise of Skywalker. You could tell that the studio is pressuring them to include things or not do things based on fan backlash from Last Jedi. It takes yeah. you out of the experience. It takes you out of that universe that the filmmakers are trying to create for you. Um, but no, I don't think... I, how could it he's talking about making he's gonna make a black and white version of it? Yeah. Is this like something like Yeah, well Logan Logan's a Logan's a different story, it's a different yeah. character. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and I and I don't think that like 
DC characters or all comic book characters need to be lighthearted and jokey and funny. I don't, but like, they're not direct. Like these are ridiculous stories. Yeah. <laughs> they just are. That's what makes them fun. You know, they're, they're larger than life people who exist in a universe that's slightly parallel to our own. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know, I, but I am excited to see, because this is what the DCEU is supposed to be. It was yeah. supposed to be introducing the characters in this movie and then letting them spin off into their own movie. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see the yeah. nightmare sequence. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Wouldn't it be great if I was wrong? Yeah. I'd be, what I'd if be it's shocked if it's amazing? <laughs> what if it's really, really good? Wouldn't that be great? What if we what if it was like the Clone <laughs> Wars series and we were able to watch this and then go back and say, wow, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones are actually kind of good after yeah. watching Clone Wars? What if we watched this and we went, oh, I get it. I now see yeah. why Superman snapped Zod's neck. I now understand why Batman was using guns and killing because the Justice League because you know, because he was all cynical and the Justice yeah. League made him optimistic again. Like, wh- what if it does that? What if he's actually a genius? <laughs> I would love that. Well, yeah. But what if it's amazing? It's what if it's the best that. movie of 2021? <laughs> well, the other thing is, too, is like his Watchmen is a complete, total piece of shit. I can't even like that's you can see the seeds of what he did in the DCU with Watchmen, which is like, let's take let's take a um, let's take the comic book and let's replicate some of the frames perfectly in slow motion mm-hmm. and put a pop song behind it. You know, put Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah behind it yeah, and make everything overly dramatic instead of picking up on subtle character nuances. So uh, that's where I'm at with him. I want I want to know how much slow mo is going to be in <laughs> like how many like, I don't per minutes is it gonna be because like i watched sucker punch the other night like i rewatched it yeah which I, that was just yeah. which is zach schneider and i was like that was just a lot of slow-mo i was like this is definitely zach schneider mm-hmm. um yeah. it worked in 300 you know because 300 was yeah. on the heels and the heels of sin city which he didn't work on but it's another frank miller book so with 300 it was this like hyper hyper reality you know like mm-hmm. where the comic book still frames came up because 300's a hyper reality comic book like no one read reads that book and thinks well this is what happened i mean it's ridiculous yeah. leonidas like gets so close to xerxes you can throw a spear at him like there's no way that happened in real life um i i haven't seen sucker punch but i've heard the opening of that's great the opening's great and the rest of the movie is okay like it's not the best um i watched it when i was like young and it came out probably too young to see mm-hmm. it to be allowed to see it i saw it in theaters and i was like this is the best movie ever then i rewatched it a couple weeks ago and i was like oh i kind of understand why i liked it as a kid because there's a lot of like uh right like slow-mo action like it's weird like there's like a lot of these dream sequences where they're fighting like either german steam-powered zombies and and orcs and as a kid i was like this is awesome and then looking <laughs> back at it i'm like oh it sounds awesome it sounds it sounds <laughs> it's awesome really it's not like it's it's like you watch it this is amazing and but it's not like um i don't know how to describe it it's not like a it's not the same amazing as when i saw Endgame for the first time i was like sure sure i was like this is awesome and powerful whereas sucker punch i'm like that was just a fun movie I could watch and eat popcorn too. Endgame was so earned, though, you know, and that was yeah. uh, it's a, Endgame and, and Infinity War and Civil War. Just hats off to Marcus and McFeely. Those movies are master classes in how not to overstuff a movie, how to have yeah. everything in a movie and have it not feel overstuffed. It still boggles my mind they were able to pull that off. Endgame will forever be my like best movie theater experience. Yeah, it was pretty great. I, I, I went to a theater. Um, it was like a small sort of theater near the place I was living at when I came out. And I went to it. It was like 10 bucks, like cheap tickets or mm-hmm. maybe eight bucks. And I went in and it was like packed theater, like front to back. And like when that scene comes and, and the portals come out and, and, you know, he says on your left and Spider-Man comes out, the mm-hmm. whole theater just like erupted. People were standing and cheering. And yeah. Like shouting. It's like, this yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Things that probably didn't happen once in any of the Star Wars sequel movies. The, uh, my favorite experience like, like that was uh, actually during Civil War. Because mm-hmm. I, I live in Queens. So at the airport fight, when Cap says, 
you got heart, kid. Where are you from? And he says, Queens. And Cap says, Brooklyn. I mean, the theater just erupted. Yeah. <laughs> that was an awesome. Oh, that and seeing like Avengers here for the first time and being like, yeah, I work there. That's <laughs> like, I know exactly awesome. where that is. That's like the Chitauri invaded right over, you know, where I work. That was amazing. Um, yeah, it's, those movies are great, especially just the Spider-Man movies resonate for New Yorkers a lot. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I I'm wish a, I could have seen uh, the first Spider-Man in the city for the first time. Oh, yeah. I'm you mess a, with Spider, you mess with New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from, uh, I'm in Toronto. I'm in Canada. Oh, cool. So awesome. uh, any like, uh, anytime I see it, we see like, uh, you know, like a Canadian place. That's either because like a lot of filming happens here. That's like trying to be like, like um, yeah. Shazam was like set in, um, I think was it Seattle or Philadelphia? But it was like filmed all. Oh, yeah all in toronto so like when i watched it for the first time like with my friends we were all like that's <laughs> i was like that's there like we've been there or like we were watching it in the mall where they do the mall fight scene uh-huh so we were like and that's, that's your mall <laughs> i'm like that's that's our mall like we're in the movie theater in this mall right now i was like we could walk out and go oh, to where that that's fight's so happening. weird yeah that'd be i'd be awesome um yeah and it was, you gotta it love was, those those canadian tax breaks <laughs> yeah yeah it was funny yeah. cause, like, one of my friends like i think they're shooting something at that mall like that lives by us because like i was i lived near this place i was like okay that's cool because they're filming some movie and then later there was an interview with um one of the actors i forget which one and he was like yeah our favorite place was filming in that mall that's like in this small uh like toronto canada i was like holy crap that's what they were filming there i could have went and saw like i could have tried to like see it i didn't go I uh, i filmed homecoming in my neighborhood no, really? Yeah, that's pretty like my train stop. And uh, I saw them filming it. That's a scene that didn't make it in the movie, but Peter's in the pajamas and he looks inside of the laundromat. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I've never even seen that as deleted footage. I think it was literally just Tom Holland in pajamas on the street. Just, just him walking yeah. around. Um, speaking of Spider Man, uh, do you have any theories on Spider Man 3? Or um, Oh, my God. I mean, all I know are the same rumors everybody else does. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, if I'm going to throw out... So, okay, so Spider-Man 3 to me is a dangerous movie. Yeah. Side unseen. It's dangerous because I'm afraid it's going to do exactly what I was just saying, which is like make us too aware that we're watching a movie because you can see the corporate strings being pulled. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like when Spider-Verse, when I first heard it was coming out, I rolled my eyes because I was like, oh, okay. So what Sony's wanted to do for years is have their own spider-man universe to rival the marvel cinematic universe they said and from a business standpoint it makes sense you say we have (laughs) exclusive screen rights to hundreds of comic book characters that no one else can make movies with we should do them all and then they their eyes got too big for their stomach and they try to do too much once amazing spider-man 2 so they it's a stopgap you know loan spider-man to marvel um which was never going to be permanent so what they really want is for venom to be in the mcu and they want spider-man to have his own spider-verse so the animated spider-verse was priming the pump for that in the public eye and it was brilliant and it was great and venom made a lot of money so that means that you're not actually going to see spider-man officially in the mcu for a generation at least unless some other studio by sony because in the rights revert back to marvel so what i'm afraid of with spider-man 3 is that this is just them laying the groundwork for being able to do that whenever they want do you remember what kevin feige said when they reached this new deal about spider-man i can't remember off the top of my head so you know like sony and marvel failed to reach an agreement and then the fans yeah 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 yeah. yeah. okay so after that happened kevin feige said paraphrasing once again Mm -hmm. spider-man is an amazing character who has the unique ability to cross different cinematic universes so i think with their negotiations this the sticking point was probably sony going we want Tom Holland to be in Venom and Kevin Feige going, well, Venom's not in the MCU, which he should because he had nothing to do with Venom and he's controlling it and this is baby. And I think in doing that, he said, look, Tom Holland's going to be in our stuff and he's going to be in other stuff. It doesn't mean it's the same stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So essentially then, then you saw like the the Vulture popping up in the Morbius trailer because they're going to go toward the Sinister Six. And now, if you believe all the rumors, you know, Doctor Strange is going to be somehow introducing all these different multiverse characters mm-hmm. into Spider-Man, people from other movies. 
So all of a sudden, just like after Spider-Verse, we were open to the idea of different spider characters. And it's the idea that there's not just one Spider-Man. There's not just like the one idea of Spider-Man. Uh, that, that opened us up to the idea. So now maybe they can go back and do an Andrew Garfield or a yeah. Toby Maguire or a live action Spider-Man noir. And the public won't say, oh, God, another Spider-Man. Didn't they just do one? Because we'll mm-hmm. be excited about the different Spider-Man. Because I think they learned from 2012, which was five years after. It was a reboot five years after the last franchise ended, you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. What I want to have happen, I've tweeted this and I made a video about it. I I dearly wish this is what was actually going on, (laughs) is that Peter Parker's identity is out. From the behind the scenes stuff, it looks like there's like Team Spider-Man and and Team Mysterio. Yeah. so I don't think this theory is true, but I would love this to be what happens. Okay, this is it. This is my this is my pitch for Spider-Man three. Okay. Um, his secret's out, and just like at the end of the first one, and when Aunt May found out, we think it's going to be a big problem. But then in the next movie, she's like, "Hey, let's. <laughs> I'm just helping you out with your charity work." Um, yeah. So secret's out, and we open with Spider-Man fighting Jamie Foxx's Electro and Alfred Molina. And then these different Spider-Men coming in and all this other stuff. It's just crazy. It's like this weird fanfic almost kind of <laughs> over the top, too yeah. much stuff, bad music, weird camera angle. Like this doesn't seem like Spider-Man. And then like a light comes into frame and someone yells, cut! And it's because <laughs> Spider-Man and Peter Parker are now super famous and Peter Parker has embraced it. And they're doing a film adaptation of Spider-Man and he's like on set as a consultant. Oh, that would be perfect. That's what I, that's what I wish would happen. Cause then they could poke fun at themselves like Spider-Verse did, but they're not, they're not doing that. <laughs> no, they're they're not. I, I there's no like, money in that. There's, I feel like the amount of fans that'd be like, because if you announce like, you know, if Tobey Maguire was going to be in the MCU as Spider-Man mm-hmm. and then they revealed <laughs> that he was just an actor, actor number no, two, be, or, or would he'd be, he'd be Tobey Maguire. Oh, he'd be, to- yeah, he's just, He's just Toby yeah. McGuire playing Spider-Man yeah. in this MCU. I feel yeah. like people would get a crack out of it, but people would be like mad because like, they want him as Spider-Man. I know. For me, it would be like the Mandarin all over again, which I loved, but I understand yeah. pissed off a lot of people. But see, to me, it's the same thing as like, I am positive that that's Matt Damon and Thor Ragnarok, like in Asgard. And I don't mean it's Matt Damon playing a guy in Asgard who's that's playing Matt Loki. Damon. That's that's just like Loki got Matt Damon to be in his little play, his little vanity project, and he got Sam Neill and the other Hemsworth to to do that for him. That's that's I don't know if that's canon. I don't think it is, but I dearly hope that's what it is. Well, that's canon now. We're, we'll make it canon. <laughs> I would love an extended cut of Venom, and I don't know if anyone else is with me on this, but I would love to see it because. I think Tom Hardy said that they cut like 40 minutes of his favorite scenes from it. And oh, there's wow. more footage to come on for it. And that was going to be originally wow. R-rated. Uh-huh. I did know that, yeah. I, are, they haven't released an extended cut? I'm shocked to hear that. No. It's, it's the one thing that I want. They said that, like, because I believe the director tweeted out, and I'm paraphrasing that he said that, like, Sony wanted him to, you know, cut out a lot of scenes and make it more, you know, not family friendly, but make it PG and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and changed his vision to it a lot. And they were mm-hmm. required to do some reshoots and stuff, but kind mm-hmm. of like the Schneider deal, except, you know, they weren't as scummy as Warner Brothers were. Sounds um, a little bit more like uh, Rogue One. Yeah. You know, Gareth, Gareth Edwards had to go in and retool a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a spe- there's a spectrum, isn't there? On the one end, you have the Snyder yeah. cut, yeah. you know, and on the other end, you have. Um, Oh, I don't know. That's the thing is like, you don't notice it when it's done well. There's no. a lot of movies. All these movies do reshoots. It's just something yes. to give like Taika Waititi was talking about Thor Ragnarok's reshoots and how like when they were shooting the actual movie, you know, very loose, very improvisational, very, you know, but when they went back, they know exactly what they need mm-hmm. because they've done the assembly. They know what's missing. It's to a tight schedule and they don't waste time, you know? Because everybody's got other shit to do. Like Henry Cavill, obviously, the last thing he wanted yes. to do was go back and film Justice League with a different director. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting. I'd, I would like to see that too. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I didn't. I 
I need to watch Venom again because when I watched it the first time, I didn't want to like it because I was like, if this movie's a hit, Spider Man's never going to go back to Marvel. Yeah. Um, but and I don't think it was a very good movie right up until that symbiote actually took, like when they started to be that yeah. version of Venom. Then it took off. I mean, because Tom Hardy has so much chemistry with himself right there. Yes. I think as soon as that symbiote said on my planet, I'm a loser. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah. I'll just, I'm going to stop worrying about this and just have some fun. Have some fun with it. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. I just, I think an extended cut would just bring, I don't know, maybe just bring more. I, w- I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it doesn't exist. I mean, usually, um, well, I don't you know. Sony doesn't really hasn't really done a lot of extended cuts. They've had deleted scenes released, but I guess that is more of a Warner Brothers thing, isn't it? Yeah, a DC thing. Yeah, Deadpool. The Fox movies would do like Deadpool had a couple extended cuts that were kind of like uh, comedies, you know, like um, American Pie. Those movies that always advertise the uncut version, you know, the unrated. Yeah, yeah. Uncut Not version. Seen in right? Theaters, you know, can't. Right, be right. Yeah, exactly. I they I I mean it's free money. I don't know why they wouldn't do that, especially now. Exactly. They could put that out on any streaming service that you know they could accept the price from. It wouldn't cost them any money if it's already shot. Yeah, I love extended cuts. I think studios also are wary of giving directors too much uh, too much power. Yeah. You know, I think with the Snyder cut, they literally just went, "Oh, this is trending. Great, let him make the movie. It's fine." You know, like, yeah. I don't I don't think they really care, but I think that sometimes with their IP, they don't want who directed Venom again. I'm trying oh, to remember. Hold on. That's OK. They don't want Venom's director to have ownership over Venom. Does it make sense? Yeah, they in the way they to say. Right. Which people you know like to ride Marvel for, oh, it's a cookie cutter system. And stuff. But I'm like, is it because like there have been far more auteur Marvel films. You know, like Iron Man 3 was an auteur film. Shane Black wrote and directed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not an accident that it's one of the best ones. You know, the Avengers and Age of Ultron were, were auteur films written and directed <laughs> by the same guy. Yeah. Who unfortunately, it turns out is a piece of shit. Um, yeah. James Gunn is somebody who you can't remove from Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, he is tied to that. And I think other studios are scared of doing that. But Marvel just wants to make good movies with talented people. Mm-hmm. Speaking of James Gunn, what do you think about uh, Suicide Squad 2? Because I guess we're talking about studios of controlling. Um, mm-hmm. James Gunn tweeted out that they gave him like almost all creative freedom for Suicide Squad 2. And um, I think I think they gave him that freedom because he'd proven himself. Yeah. And they, they were desperate and they reached and they snatched him up, you know, right after he'd been fired. Um, yeah. I don't think they would necessarily have allowed James Gunn, who'd only directed Troma and a couple little indie movies, the same carte blanche that Marvel gave him in 2014. Yeah. Or 2012, whenever he actually started work on that film. Um, but I think, I mean, James Gunn has basically said what Suicide Squad is. It's a, supposed to be about D-list super villains getting their fucking head blown off. Yeah. That's, that's what Suicide Squad is. And it's made me excited because he said that his movie is basically a sequel to the original series, the original comics which I had a few years ago, um, but didn't have enough of them to really get into it. Now I'm very excited to go back in DC Universe and read all of it, read that run. Mm-hmm. I'm quite excited for Suicide Squad 2. Suicide Squad oh, 1. It's going to be great. Uh, it, was a dis- it was a letdown, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a cut I would like to see. You talk about director's cuts. They never will. Yeah. And that's an example of not wanting to give a director too much power. And because the Ayer cut, you know, isn't trending they're not gonna no you know give him that but i'm very curious to see like what joker was cut um i think that after that first trailer was so funny the ballroom blitz trailer that they definitely said oh we want to make it funny i think they got they got cold feet i think that they thought they were doing the dark knight thing for their universe because the dark knight was a hit and then Marvel did their thing and they went, oh crap. And they, they changed horses midstream and they saw that it wasn't necessarily resonating with fans. Mm-hmm. But see, that's what, that's what I mean as far as like, you can see where the corporation and the suits are coming in. The, yeah. um, the movie I always say, I should make this into a video. The most important comic book movie of my lifetime is, or of, of any DC movie is Green Lantern. Because okay. 
had Green Lantern been a hit, right? So you, at the time, you, you were only two movies into the Nolan stuff. Those were self-contained. Like Christopher Nolan, you know, could yeah. call his own shots and said, we're not doing a big you know, Marvel thing. This is just these. And it's a specific universe where Batman is the only thing that's different from the real world. Um, had that movie been a hit, Green Lantern would have been the start of a new cinematic universe. But it wasn't. So that's when they brought in Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan to produce the Man of Steel. And they said, okay, let's make these dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's a, I never thought of it that way, you know, mm-hmm. how that would be. I think, I think it's important to do that. Like you can also say um, X-Men First Class is a really important movie because that resurrected the X-Men franchise. You yeah. Know, like if it weren't for that, First Class is another hybrid. That, that has studio meddling in it because originally – Okay, this is a long story, but there was this guy who was – I read this on Ain't It Cool years ago, and I, it hasn't been verified by any other source. Okay. There was a guy who was a producer at Fox named uh, – president at Fox named Tom Rothman um, who then went on to work for Sony and did the bad Spider-Man movies. Um, I think he was president at Sony. He might still be there. Tom Rothman did not like the X-Men franchise. He didn't see how it had legs, and he wanted to end it after three movies. And then just like do spinoffs and solo movies because like you have a big cast, it's too expensive, too, too expensive. And that's ridiculous. If you've read the X-Men comics, you know, there's like hundreds of mutants. That's a franchise that could easily go on forever. Yes. Someone ages out or salaries out of the role. You can bring in one of the dozens of people who've led the X-Men. Right. But he basically killed the franchise with last stand. He brought in Brett Ratner and, you know, wouldn't give Brian Singer what he wanted. Um, So then the franchise killed and they were going to spin it off into solo films. That's why we had X-Men Origins Wolverine. And then Mm -hmm. the reason they called it X-Men Origins Wolverine is because they were trying to sell this idea of X-Men stories, X-Men spinoffs. Yeah. So the other one that they were working on developing was a solo movie about Magneto that for whatever reason didn't pan out, but they took the bones of that and it became X-Men First Class. So if first class, which was a big risk because it took place in the 60s and was just like, is it the same universe? Is it not? It was just a different thing. Yeah. If that would have bombed, you know, you're also talking like this is after X-Men Origins Wolverine bombed. They might have just said, OK, we're not doing X-Men movies anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that might have been that. It's it's the problem with studios. It's just if one if like one or two executives just don't like an idea, it's just they yeah. can just shoot it down. Which is it's and, it's, you, you, and it and they usually don't like it because they're approaching it from a different perspective, from like yeah. a film from a, a film business perspective, and they're not necessarily fans of the books. Maybe they grew up with the original movies. Mm-hmm. I kind of think the people who produce DC now grew up on the the Tim Burton Batman films, and they think that's Batman. Yeah, and it's not. Those are I love those movies, but they're not great Batman movies. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking. They're thinking more just like like profit lines you know of yeah which they you know hey they're making money i mean it's which, yeah that's their that's job, their job. I, don't, you know, I don't begrudge them that yeah but don't it, but don't try to like tell me you're making art <laughs> yeah it's tough as a director trying to create your vision when you're just getting told like no a bunch of times because i i saw an interview with um todd phillips director of joker he's mm-hmm. like he said, like, um, we fought over like a year with the studio and the executives to make it R rated and make it the way we wanted it. And he said the amount of like pushback we got from studios and executives for it. But then the movie comes out and it pans out in its favor. The movie got the most Oscar nominations for that year in 2019. Which it shouldn't have, but you know, fair play. Yeah. I... But fair play to to Todd Phillips saying, you know. Sticking yeah, for sticking it. to his guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing about Todd Phillips is he didn't need Joker. You know, he already had a very strong career uh, and could have done whatever he wanted. I mean, that's a project that I, I, I would like to see more interviews with him where he talks about how that was conceptualized. Um, you know, for like what made him want to do a Joker movie and make it a, a, a spinoff of Martin Scorsese's 70s work. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he already had something in mind for that, and he could have walked away at any point. I think that was the strength that he could approach it with. Yeah, exactly. I also think that just with Joker, because Warner Brothers knew and they understood that, okay, look, this isn't 
the franchise. You know, you're not yeah. putting this Joker inside of um, your Batman movies. You don't have to worry, you know, about kids not wanting to buy Joker stuff because mm-hmm. of this. You know, we're you're already going to be selling your Joker toys somewhere else. You know, what do you think about um, the, the standalone Batman coming up with Pattinson? It's going to be great. I love Matt yeah. Reeves. Yeah, think, speaking of X Men. Yeah, I think it's yeah, going to be good. I, just hearing him talk about um, Batman on DC in DC fandom, you know, like he gets the character in a way that I don't, I don't uh, that like I think Tim Burton definitely didn't get, and Joel Schumacher didn't get, and I think Nolan, Nolan identified, <laughs> I think Nolan <laughs> identified with the aspects of Bruce Wayne that he identifies with in all of his care you know like all, yeah. every christopher nolan lead tends to follow the same template yeah and i think there's a reason he chose to do batman instead of superman you know yeah he, he like he likes the tortured white male with dead parents um trying to right wrongs and yeah. avenging you know he had he gave batman a love interest that he has to avenge that's not normally something that yeah you see in a batman film but it's something you see in every nolan film except maybe tenant which believe it or not i still haven't seen you haven't seen tenant I've not watched it yet. I know it's ridiculous. That's I watched it in the summer. It's it's good. It's one of the most like I don't know. It's hard to explain. You just have to watch it. It's like a Christopher Nolan like just time mind. See, I love it. I love time travel movies. Yeah, that's why it's a movie I know I'm I'm probably going to enjoy watching. Though when I watch it in the theaters, nothing spoiling anything. Just the <laughs> the um. The mixing, the audio mixing was, it wasn't just the theater because everyone else was complaining. The audio mixing for the movie was off because there's a lot of dialogue. You can't hear them speak like the background or something is raised too, too loud. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's like, I've seen it twice in theaters and there's still scenes where I'm like, I don't know what they're saying. Like not all the, like not throughout the entire movie, but there's like key scenes where characters are talking like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So they got to fix that yeah, no, if they've released it no one, streaming. No one's obsession with time. I think you know maybe he's finally done his masterwork on it. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to watching it. No one's been one yeah. to speak out against uh, Warner Brothers. I know lately. He's well, so that. is um, the Dune director. Is it Dillison and Villeneuve? Yes. And they should. Like I think yeah. what they're doing right now is ridiculous. Releasing the stuff on the same day. I mean, it makes sense during when you can't release movies in the theater, but like they're just. So so damn greedy it makes me so it actually yeah, it makes they me really mad. are like it's i have a, a friend who um works for a worked for a merchandising company and they struck a deal with dc to do like novelty dc items and one of the things they wanted to do was to have mugs that had um the superheroes through the ages so with mm-hmm. superman you would have like the kurt swan superman um, you know, from the 50s or 60s, I think, yeah. And, and then the Jerry Secret, and just along the way, and then had the signatures of those artists beneath them who, you know, originated that look. Neil Adams, Batman, yeah. you know, and Warner Brothers completely nixed that idea. And they said, no, we don't, we look at this as just like it's Warner property. And even though these people may have drawn it, they were working for Warners and we don't acknowledge them as creators. Wow. And that tells you wow. everything you need to know about Warner Brothers. And that's so weird and ironic because DC has always been notoriously like a much better comic. I don't know about now, but like back in the day, yeah. it was just a much easier place to work as a comic book artist than Marvel was. Like Marvel seemed to be very dysfunctional in the 70s and 80s and uh, 90s, whereas DC just ran like a really well-oiled machine. Hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe because they had that corporate ownership for so long and maybe you know marvel's fixed their issues since disney bought them out i'm not sure yeah but yeah and he has other stories like that too that he shared but uh, that was the one that always sticks out to me as far as like how warner brothers views these as commodities and not treasured mythological icon you know yeah the the hbo max warner brothers deal that just i don't just I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way, just because like I'm 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 so for going to the theater, and I understand now with with the pandemic that it is a smart business strategy to to have it on a yeah. streaming service for people to watch. Mm-hmm. But 
just listening to Nolan say like they didn't tell any of us that our movies weren't going to the theaters anymore. They were they were mm -hmm. very like unclear of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, just it rubbed me the wrong way. But there it is. That's the exact yeah. same attitude. That is Warner Brothers saying these aren't your movies. The voice of the artist isn't counted. Yeah, it is a business decision for a product that we have paid you to make. Mm -hmm. That is how they view it. And maybe that's how, you know, maybe that's how Disney views Marvel and DC or sorry, Marvel and Star Wars. And they're just yeah. a little better at hiding it, you know, than say Marvel is, or maybe with Marvel, because it was a self-contained entity that they bought that was already running. They were able to just say, keep doing what you're doing, you know, keep yeah. printing money. Maybe if they would have done this, if Marvel would have, if, if Disney would have bought Marvel and started the MCU from scratch, it might have looked more of like a Frankenstein's monster hodgepodge of whatever an ex random executive thought. Yeah. But uh, luck luckily that's except for a few speed bumps in phase one and two. That's not what's happened. It seems like they kind of care about the franchise now. Like they, they, they care about it yeah. and they want well, Feige oh, does for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He even gave notes on uh, the He gave Sony notes on the screenplay to amazing Spider-Man too. He wasn't getting paid to, he just got he's his hands cool. on it. And yeah, just as a fan. When I mean, it was in his, his, it was in his interest not to do that, you know. Yeah. And of course, they didn't follow anything he did. If you believe this, I mean, this was one of the Sony email yeah. leaks. You know, a lot of those were fake too. So I could, should probably check and see if that's real. <laughs> I mean, walk around saying that. I'm pretty sure that one was real though. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Ryan. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's been uh, fun. Thank you. Do you want to say any of your social media links of uh, yeah. where people can find you? Sure. Twitter. I'm on at Ryan Airy, R-Y-A-N-A-R-E-Y and Screen Crush YouTube channel. Just search YouTube Screen Crush and you'll see my face. And there I am. Thank you so much, Ryan. And everybody else have a great night.